0: field, that one's to the right, Hunter on the move, racing back, it's over his head, it's gone, it's into the bullpen, this game is tied, this game is tied, David Ortiz, David Ortiz, David Ortiz. Ortiz!
1: This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I
0: think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it, because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period. Nothing will. I think they're going
1: to make Jeter that first unanimous vote. And I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame.
2: Achievement or a new milestone. They're not just be like, Hey, we, we signed this player, so we're have a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like...
1: Now, to your hosts. All right, welcome into Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Media the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of New England professional sports. Of course, you can follow CLNS on social media. Uh, Twitter is now at CLNS uh, Media. Facebook, search the same thing. Uh, Of course, you can still download the free CLNS mobile podcast app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS uh, in your app marketplace. Or, of course, for Android, just go to the uh, Google Play Store, whatever it may be for you, uh, and check us out there. We're on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. Um, this week, you know, made some false promises. Jared Krabs was supposed to be on the show. Uh, CSN came beckoning for the boy, uh, for, uh, for BST tonight. So he will be on next week. He texted me and said he will be on next week. He swears. So, um, we just get us this week. Jess Thomas, Lauren Campbell, what's going on guys?
2: Another week, another episode. We're here to talk. We have a lot to talk about this week. Just we do kind of going through everything. Yeah. I feel like so much has happened, and I know we kind of talked about it. Like, It's been a long week like of baseball and drama and controversy. and It's been a very long week.
0: Yeah, it's been a long week for life, for baseball, for excitement. Man, it's just crazy. we just got so much going on.
1: There's a lot to talk, talk about, about, about it all. lot to get to. We have the Orioles crap that went on for a while. Uh, the Red Sox offense finally broke out. Chris Sale got run support this week. Um, a lot of stuff going on and we actually have an answer to David Price potential timetable um, and we'll get to that in a little bit later but first, like always this was a busy week for the Red Sox Um, ups and downs, highs and lows uh, back and forth with the Orioles the the Twins uh, and none other than Jess Thomas to break it down, we'll go back and forth a little bit and just kind of take us back Jess to the week that was and recap what happened
0: You make me feel like a king every week I have to (laughs) Keeping that morale up, yes. Um, yeah, wildly. Um, so we talked about Monday's game on last show because it had happened already. Uh, 5-2 loss to the Orioles. Rick Porcello got no run support again. Same old, same old. But after that game, we found out that Adam Jones had been called the N-word and that there were several racial slurs thrown out in him. Uh, and that kind of started off everything. And that happened kind of right after we had done this. So that was... Nice excitement for the week, uh, which brought us, we'll talk more about that later, but that brought us into uh, Tuesday's game, which kind of started it all. Um, It started first, uh, Chris Sale was on the mound um, against Alec Asher, and uh, Adam Jones got a standing ovation and a really long cheer, enough to even step out of the box by the Boston fans uh, for what had happened the night before. Mookie Betts wanted the fans to give him a standing O. Uh, the Red Sox organization were all very apologetic and wanted everyone to treat him well. So they gave him a standing O. And then the next batter, Manny Machado, got thrown behind him by Chris Sale, which is obviously on purpose. You don't fire 98-mile-per-hour fastball behind someone by accident. So that created a little skirmish. They uh, gave warnings to both teams after that, uh, and then... The game happened after that, so we'll get to this, uh, and then what happened afterwards. Uh, the Red Sox won this game 5-2. to two. They actually gave Sale a little bit of run support. Dustin Pedroia got an RBI single in the second. Hanley Ramirez hit a home run again in the fourth. Uh, the Orioles got one back in the fifth on a Trey Mancini double. He's a Red Sox killer at this point in his young career. Uh, Hanley belted his second bomb in the sixth to make it 3-1. to one. Same place, really deep left field. I mean, really deep left field. And then... None other than Manny Machado hit a solo home run to make it three to two in the seventh. But Mookie Betts erased all doubt with a two RBI double in the bottom of the seventh to give the five to two win. The Orioles only got three hits. Chris Sale pitched eight innings, three hits, two runs, two walks, eleven strikeouts, and unlike his other games, he actually got run support and actually won with a line of eight eight innings, two hits, three hits, two hit two. Hits. <laughs> <laughs> Three hits, two there runs. it is. Come on now. 11 strikeouts. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't say it twice. <laughs> so he actually got his run support. He actually got a win. He's 2-2 two and two at this point. Through 115 pitches, the Sox got enough offense. But then after the game, Manny Machado decided to go on a super long rant filled, laden with expletives. Every, every, every half a second you could look at it, there was ex- expletives flying. I believe it was seven of them in five seconds at the beginning of it. Um, and I'm pretty sure most of them were probably the same word. Uh, and then Sale was was let known after the game what Machado said, and Sale said, "Whatever, man, I'm not losing sleep tonight." So that was that game. Discuss.
1: I, I, I love that. I'm sorry. I, I know you're, we're Red Sox fans, and we talk about the Red Sox every every week, but I don't blame Manny Machado for what he said because he's. I know what happened with the slide, and we all thought it was dirty, but. He's been getting thrown at after thrown at. Hasn't gotten hit. Didn't get hit at that point. Just kept getting thrown at and thrown at and thrown at. And like, I don't blame him. I mean, also on the other side, I love the fact that Chris Sale said what he did. Like, he's finally a guy on our team who just doesn't have emotion, doesn't really care about anything, and just has stones. And he, of course, it's Chris Sale who ended up throwing at him like he did. But I don't blame Manny Machado whatsoever. I loved it.
2: Uh, I mean, I just think he should shut up. Like, I understand he's frustrated getting thrown at all those times I I totally get that it's frustrating and just to not even get hit like you said but just to get thrown at like but to sit there and just go on this expletive ridden rant, and then it's like first of all do you really think Chris Sale isn't going to do anything first of all and second of all if you're such a tough guy why did you you couldn't even look towards Chris Sale when it happened so if you're not going to say anything if you're not going to look at him kind of point your bad at him or whatever like don't don't go off into the media and then all of a sudden be like, oh, I could charge them out and like beat it with my bat essentially, but I'd get arrested. Ho, ho, like grow up and just shut up.
0: Yeah. Like, oh, pitchers, pitchers get gets suspended two games, but we, us, yeah, we, we have to get suspended for, for 50 games, blah, 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 running you with a bat. Yeah. I, I thought it was over the top. I think it's stupid to just say it to the media afterwards and to just, completely crap all over the Red Sox organization. I'm sorry, that doesn't reflect the whole organization on one thing. Also, an organization that just did everything they could to make Adam Jones feel like he was a human and not someone who just gets racial slurs thrown at him left and right by the crowd and they did a really good job with that same organization and now all of a sudden they're terrible because sale threw behind machado because he's a little baby i'm sorry it was fun for excitement and everything i love sales response but i think that the that what machado said and how he went about it was kind of kind of poor taste
1: see poor taste is one thing but
0: i look at it as
1: you need someone to hate like in this situation. We it, got it, one now it, it, it feels a rivalry like I, this is what baseball needs, and I'm sorry, I love baseball like most some purists do like I, I we're one of the few. you know baseball's a dying sport i I still believe that in this country um this is what it needs this is exactly what baseball needs, so I hate it i mean i understand why the commissioner stepped in, but um later in the series what um when he start when they start tossing guys for throwing curveballs and all this stuff and when they're trying to soften the blow to something like this, like this is what baseball needs to fuel its fire back. It's missing the New York Yankees, Boston Red Sox throwing fistfights and knocking old men to the ground. It's missing that. This is what baseball needs to just kind of regain its national stage. It needs rivalry. It needs games in May that we want to turn the TV on over a playoff basketball game, a playoff hockey game. And I think nationally people wanted to know what was going on with the Red Sox because of this.
2: I mean, I'm all for rivalries. I love it. I And I love the intensity and the animosity and the emotion. But it just Ooh, gets word. to a point. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It just it just gets to a point where it's like, okay, we get it. Like, you're mad because you get thrown at. It, it's, you know, and I know we'll get into the next game where everyone's getting thrown out because X, Y, Z. But, and I, I love it. And I love that, you know, when the Orioles come back or when the Red Sox go to Baltimore, there's going to be loud boos. There's going to be. People wanting to turn on their TVs. I love it. I'll be at Fenway. Of course I will be when that happens. But it's like right now, it's just like, don't be running your mouth right now. Like, you know, it, it's just, ah, oh, it, it, it pisses me off just because he can't shut his mouth and he has to be like Machado has to be just really immature about it. Like he should have just, he should have charged the mound because then the benches would have cleared and that would have made for great TV and we'd have a lot, like we have more to talk about today.
0: Yeah, I like what happens on the field. I like that excitement, thrown behind them, and getting everybody excited about that stuff. But taking it one step further—that's that's where I thought it was stupid. And to be like, "I lost respect for the entire organization." Blah blah. blah. I don't know. It's just he just seemed like he was a little childlike whining. is basically, kind of how it came off to me, which I thought was kind of lame. So that's that's why I didn't like it. But um, but yes, yeah, sale. So the thing I love about sale is that it's it's funny because like he like appears to have no emotion He'll, he's just, like deadpans like yeah whatever man i'm not losing sleep and all that stuff but like if you look if you look at him during his interviews and like he listens to the questions he's like very respectful to reporters he answers exactly what they say in his little own way like i don't know he just i get this sense that even though like he like is this incredible pitcher with like no emotion and all that stuff i feel like he's a really good dude underneath it all he just like doesn't like want it to come out because he has that intensity on the mound, but I feel like he's a really good dude.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's kind of a, a tale, uh, like a um, tale of two halves kind of with him. Um, I think you're right. I, I think you know he has a persona, and when he's in the zone, I think his mindset just changes. He's like, I don't care. I give zero. I give zero F to the world. Like whatever it may be i just want to win baseball games and i don't care who gets in my way you're not going to get in my way and then off the field he's probably this really nice guy easy to talk to like there was that situation where a fan reached over after the game and was asking how to throw the slider and for five minutes chris sale literally looked and taught the kid the grip of how he throws his slider and like exactly you know it takes a nice guy to do that so he kind of showed that's a good example of it
2: yeah i mean i definitely think he's a he's a good person overall i mean i know you know the whole uniform cutting up thing but besides oh, that like I'd still Justin love that, that too i do too <laughs> but and, and i but i feel like you know just like you said he really does pay attention to the question and he really takes the time to kind of take it all in and give the answer not just like you know I need to pitch better or whatever or he'll just be like no he's like this is what i need to do it's not their fault it's my fault because i need to i need to pitch better and you strike out more people it's not their fault like he he gives the answers that like we want to hear and that we need to hear and like all around, good dude i like him
0: Yeah, it's just, like, it's just a little bit different than everybody else It's like i don't know it just seems more genuine than some people which i like and i think i'm a decent judge of people's character maybe i'm not i don't know i think i,
2: am. I mean you, you absolutely are judging from, <laughs> from, from you know what you've told me about people so
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes absolutely so yeah um that was that game that was pretty exciting, and it was a win, most importantly, because that's what matters in the end. Um, so that brought us into Wednesday's game, and this was another exciting one. This was a uh, 4-2 to win, a lot, of, a lot of 5-2, 5-2, 4-2, um, low scores. And uh, the Sox actually only got six hits in this game, but the Orioles got nine. But the run department is where it mattered, and this one got interest, interesting real early, because Kevin Gosman threw a curveball directly into the back of Xander Bogarts, and he was ejected because there were they, the umpires were on high alert. Murad Manfred had had a had a conference call with Buck Showalter and John Farrell along with Joe Torre, um, just like being like we need to end this. Like everyone's going to be on high alert. And then boom, uh, Gosman hit Bogarts in the back with a curveball, and he was immediately ejected. And he was pissed and. Caleb Joseph was pissed, and they, they were not having it. And how could you throw me out over a curveball? But, you know, the pitch went directly into his back. It never, it never was even close to the plate, so the umpire just kind of made a knee-jerk reaction and said, I'm going to throw him out because that's what we're doing now. So he lasted one inning, and uh, they had to use the bullpen for the rest of the time. Richard Blyer went four innings, and Ubaldo Jimenez, who was a starter, went three innings to end the game. Um, the Red Sox got... Most of the runs in the fourth inning, uh, Josh Rutledge made a one nothing in the second inning with an RBI single, but Chris Young got an RBI double in the fourth, Josh Rutledge reached on the fielder's choice, scoring Moreland, and Pedroia got a sack fly, and that was 4 to nothing after four. The O's got two back in the sixth inning, but that's all they'd get off Drew Pomeranz, who pitched five in the third innings, seven strikeouts, five hits, two runs. Uh, the two things I want to talk about in this game, obviously the first thing with with uh, Gosman getting ejected and Adam Jones got ejected later on for arguing balls and strikes. And then secondly, Drew Pomeranz is having a good season so far. I
2: think um, a lot of people are, are overlooking Pomeranz just simply because, uh, you know, this past series, of course people are going to overlook it from everything else that happened. But it's funny, I was actually at this game and the people behind me were talking about how well he was pitching and I was like, it's just, it was kind of refreshing to hear because... Everyone else was talking about Adam Jones, Machado, Pedroia, the Celtics. They were talking about everything under the sun. But the people behind us were just like, oh yeah, Pomeranz." And I was like, I could get in on this conversation. And we talked for like, I don't know, a good seven, ten minutes, just like how well he's been doing and how kind of he's absolutely exceeding expectations. He's getting, you know, good innings and kind of giving the bullpen a rest if they need it. So I'm very impressed with him.
1: Yeah, I I think that, and before we get to the ejection thing, I think Pomeranz is someone that was really just not healthy. You know, he, he, he clearly wasn't healthy when he came over here. Uh, the reports showed that, and I think now it's finally kind of, a it seemed to be 100%. I think you're seeing what a decent pitcher he can be. Not saying he's a number one in most people's staff, but, you know, for what the Red Sox team to be, he's pitching very well right now. Um, and it's definitely needed considering Stephen Wright's now off for the year, um, which we quickly hit on last week. And... Um, you're going to need steadiness out of him. You don't know what David Price is going to be when he comes back. So uh, it's definitely good to see that him he's pitching well. Um, now to the ejection thing, I first didn't think it was on purpose. I didn't. Um, but I sl- I kind of watch it over and over again. Like, I really think it might have been on purpose. And you guys might disagree with this, but watching it, that curveball was never anywhere but at Bogarts. Like, it didn't look like it was ever, like, his, like starting there and slipped and just got stuck outside, like, that curveball started out at Bogarts and finished out at Bogarts, and I know you, I, I know curveballs can miss, but you're a major leaguer; you don't miss throwing a curveball by that much.
2: Uh, I mean, I'm I'm kind of in disagreement with you there. I, I totally see your point, I really do, but it, I it was going 77 miles an hour. I I just feel like when you hit, want to hit somebody, in you know, he hit them in the thigh where you want to hit them, but. But you're gonna drill him. you're gonna do that 98 mile an hour fastball you're gonna throw hard and not that 77 miles an hour isn't hard by any means but yeah one of
1: but, these you, pitches, but you but you gotta look at you, yeah but lauren you got to like, look you have to look at it in a sense of they knew the league is on edge they knew the league is on edge so if you got to think that in in my mind if i was him I'd go okay well there's less likelihood of me getting tossed if i throw a curveball because they're gonna go oh it was a curveball they shouldn't have got tossed and he kind of got screwed because the ump was on high edge but like and he just didn't take anything at all but I think if you're gonna want to throw at somebody, you're gonna want to throw a curveball in that situation because you might not get tossed.
2: But I don't think, and I I say like always look at the catcher when you think of this. But like I don't think Caleb Joseph would have flipped out the way he did if it wasn't intentional. Like he lost his mind, and obviously you know, we were watching the game. I I don't think if it was intentional, it would have kind of like it wouldn't have triggered that kind of response from from the catcher
1: i guess but when you keep watching them try to argue it they just all they kept saying was it was a curveball it was a curveball they were trying to make the argument of because it was a curveball he shouldn't have been tossed I, in my head i just think okay they're pr- trying to plead the case that yeah it maybe i meant to hit him but it was a curveball so i shouldn't be tossed like that's all i see when i watch it over and over again
0: it's fun listening to you guys argue about this before I give my opinion, because, <laughs> because it's funny, because I actually have no idea. I've been trying to figure out if it's on purpose or not for the last week, and I still have no idea. I, I can see both sides. I can see why it would be on purpose, because like Jared said, and like I said in my <laughs> in my recap of the game, it was literally like on his back from the second it came out of his hand. So that makes it seem like it is. But on the other hand, who's ever hitting anybody on purpose with, the, with a curveball in the 70s? But then I think the, the, the key thing to look at um, is that in these kind of situations, it's always interesting to look at the pitcher's reaction because when they do it on purpose, they pretty much just walk in and stare at the batter and keep staring at them and keep staring at them because they're like, yeah, I did it. So I'm going to stare at you and wait for you to go to the base or get in a fight with me. If they don't mean to do it on purpose, they usually will you know, put their hands on their head like, oh my God, are you okay? I just hit you. I can't believe I just hit you. And Gosman, after he did it, did kind of have that, oh, my God, did I just, I can't believe I just hit you look. And then he got thrown out, and then he ran forward. Oh, you, that was a curveball. Beep, 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 beep. You know, it swears everywhere. <laughs> um, so he had the reaction of not on purpose. But,
1: but then on purpose at the yeah. same time. Like, yeah, he had, he had both. Like, he, it, it literally was in the middle the entire way. It had to, I had to watch it, like, six more times to really fit, to change my mind. Originally, I didn't think it was on purpose because – like you thought, more and like right away, oh, it's a curveball. There's no way it was on purpose. I, I thought it right away. And then as I watch it over and over again, I look at it and go, wait, that might have been on purpose.
0: Yeah, I watched it like 12 times too. And it did, it seemed more on purpose the more I watched it. But like I said, I still can't decide. So there you go. I get both sides of it and I still have no idea.
1: So. You just told me you thought it was on purpose. That's what I hear. When you say it, every time I watch it, I think it's on purpose. You thought it was on purpose.
0: But I also don't at the same time, because why the heck would you do that with a curveball?
1: <laughs> nothing in that. Nothing in that series made sense, though. That's why I'm not no, putting it out of the realm because nothing in that series made sense.
0: And that's why I'm not choosing whether it was on purpose or not because I just have no idea. Uh, and I can admit that I have no idea because I've watched it too many times to not s- still not know. So that just tells me I don't know. And that's gonna, that's going to be that. So we'll chat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to the fourth game. Uh, Sox have won the first two here, um, and this last one was not so good. It was an 8-3 loss. Manny Machado got his, his moment where he could go trot around the bases because he can hit a home run, and he's going to show up all the fans because, yeah, that's right, I'm better than you. I'm going to hit a home run. Um, so Kyle Kendrick started this game against Tyler Wilson. Uh, Kendrick started off well. He didn't give up any runs in the first two innings, and the Red Sox got two in the first inning on his Andrew Bogarts. RBI single and then another another run on the uh, on the throw. But then in the third, and then especially in the fourth, uh, Kendrick kind of fell apart. Um, the Orioles scored a run on a steal of home by Seth Smith, where Machado was going to second, and Vasquez threw down, which he definitely shouldn't have because he scored a run easily on it. Uh, and Chris Davis walked um, to score another run. Um, Pedroia had a home run. Sorry, there was only one run in that third inning. Uh, Pedroia had a home run to make it 3-1 to one in the third. Then Kendrick fell apart. Seth Smith had a three, uh, two RBI double to make it three to three, and then Machado hit his big three-run homer to make it six to three. Where he trotted around the bases, uh, and then the Orioles got two more in the fifth inning, and that was it for runs. Seventeen hits for the O's, only nine for the Red Sox. So Kendrick finished giving up eight hits, six runs, only one strikeout in four innings. So good start, poor finish. Uh, Tyler Wilson pitched pretty well, uh, and there was no brawl in this game, and there was no hit by pitches. It just Happened and the Orioles won. Kendrick wasn't good, and uh, that was it for the series. Finally,
1: love the Machado slow trot. Just throwing that out there. Um, But of course you do. Why not? Of course, me. I love the showmanship. (laughs) I'm one that believes the bat flip should be honored and and enjoyed um, in baseball too. It's just the way it should be. But with Kendrick's start, I was curious what you guys thought about this. I know in spring training when we, we we had the shorter shows, we were talking about. You know why? Why would this guy get a shot in the rotation? The way the situation was, blah blah blah, was spring training just a flash of, or, or like just because it was spring training? Is that why he pitched so well? Because he, he didn't look good at all, um, and he was starting to. He wasn't pitching that great in spring tra- in the minors either after spring training. So, is this what Kendrick is like? Should he get another chance? Like, what what happened in his start? Do you guys think? Because I just think he. I think spring training was a flash.
2: I mean, I. I kind of think it's uh, big league jitters or, you know, first start, just kind of nervous, got to shake it off or whatever. Um, do I think, I mean, sp- I mean, spring training, it's so hard to gauge what happens in spring training because, I mean, we know people who are going to end up in AAA for the season, people who are good in AAA and they just can't kind of transition that up here, you know, like recently Castillo kind of thing. He's, he's not doing too bad down there right now, but it's, I mean, I, I think there's a reason Farrell said that he's going to take a longer look at him in the rotation. I think he doesn't want to just get rid of him. I mean, I know there's other options. Not, we have very limited options. But I think if he starts, you know, again, another start another start or two, I'd be able to better gauge. Obviously, it wasn't a good first start. It's not what we wanted. Not what we really. I mean, it could be what we expected. I, sh- I shouldn't say it wasn't what we expected, but it's, I think it's... We'll, we'll have a better idea after after another start.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen enough to make a decision yet. Uh, I'm not willing to say that he's not good because he started off the game well and just had a bad inning. So I want to see another start. If he gives up another eight runs or nine runs and another start, then I'll start thinking about that. But for now, I don't think we've seen enough to say that he doesn't deserve the spot in the rotation he did pitch really well in spring training, so I want to see more of him. I think that he's not as bad as he pitched in this game. Who knows if he's really good or not, but I definitely want to see more.
1: And you will, because he's gonna. he should get at least one more start, just because oh, yeah. David Price isn't back yet. So um, he's going to get another well, crack it, at it.
0: And he has no options, so if he, if they don't want him anymore, he's just going to be gone. So you either start him or you get rid of him. So. That's pretty
1: much it, yeah, at this point.
0: <laughs> so they're obviously going to start him at this point, because you need a pitcher. <laughs> that, that is true. You right out so so that was that series a two and two week uh, me and Jared both got that week right uh, that series right uh, unfortunately not the week right because it wasn't a sweep of the twins which we'll get into right now uh, And it wasn't a sweep because the first game was a loss four to three loss on Friday. this was a frustrating game because bad start and a bad finish and good in between. Uh, the pitching matchup was Phil Hughes and Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, they were both good. Hughes gave up one run in six and two-thirds. Rodriguez gave up three runs in six innings with six strikeouts. Uh, the Twins got up 2 nothing in the first off of Erod, and it happened real fast. Um, Miguel Sano hit an RBI triple, and Robbie Grossman got an RBI infield single. Uh, so it was 2 nothing on the first four batters of the game at that point. Um, and then the Red Sox got one back on an Andrew Benintendi home run to center field to make it 2-1. Joe Maurer made it 3-1 to one with an RBI single in the 7th. And the game wasn't looking too good at that point. But in the ninth inning, uh, Chris Young had a 2-RBI single down the left field line right past 3rd base. Tied the game at 3. And everything was looking great. And then Matt Barnes came in for the bottom of the ninth And gave up a walk-off home run to Joe Mauer, His first walk-off home run in his 14-year career, which I found hard to believe. I know he's not much of a power hitter, but I was still surprised that that was his first one. Uh this yeah, this game was just frustrating because you you make that comeback, you get tied in the ninth inning, and then boom, right away, there goes there goes that fun ball game
1: over. And and this 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 pose and this is a question that's been talked about in the city since that game, at least right after that game was, you know, why yeah. was Matt Barnes in that game? I actually agree with it. You know, I, I think that, that spot that is a Matt Barnes situation. He hasn't been pitching that bad, like you can't expect Kimbrel to save you every single time. Uh, I know he's been lights out, but at this point it's in May, and you got to trust your setup guy to go in there and get a couple outs. And then, you know, what if this game extends and you need Kim? You know what I mean? So as much as I would hate to criticize, I mean, I would love to criticize John Farrell in the move. I think that he, Matt Barnes was the right choice. I think it was a crappy situation, like the way the game ended, obviously, with Maurer hitting the bomb out of there. But, you know, I, I think Matt Barnes was the guy that was supposed to be in that point.
2: Yeah, uh, see, I, I would go with Kimbrell in that situation just because – you know, he, I know it's May, but you still got to win these games. You, you got to win close games, especially. And you just made that comeback in the ninth. And Kimbrel's rested. He's ready to go. And he, he's been, like you said, he's been lights out. And he's been phenomenal the last few starts. And really proving why he's, you know, the closer and somebody who can save our games. And I think in that situation, even though it's not a safe situation, you got to go with Kimbrel.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm... I'm okay with either move because Barnes has not pitching well, too. But just because you just got that tie game and you just got that momentum, I think I'd bring in Kimbrell just to kind of lock down the inning. Obviously, you'd want him later on for extra innings, but if you go up a run, that doesn't matter anymore. Uh, But, I mean, Kimbrell's been unbelievable this year. His numbers are off the charts. He's pitching incredibly, just like like he he was Yeah, just like before. He's incredible. I mean, he pitched well last year, too. He was just too wild. So this year, he's doing exactly what he did last year, minus the wildness, which means he's unhittable, because he's incredible. So, I don't know. I think, I mean, it's too bad how it worked out, but I think I would have gone with Kimbrel just because just because of how well he's pitching at this point. But, I mean, who would have expected Barnes to have a walk-off home run to Joe Maurer? He has never hit one in his career. He had one home run in the season so far. So, I think it was just rotten luck at a bad time, and it was just... More annoying because they had just tied the game. It's like yes, no.
1: I legit think this is the first time I haven't questioned the manager, and you both did at the same time.
0: Yeah, you guys have been disagreeing a lot. It's pretty exciting. It's weird. I know this is parody. <laughs>
1: this is really weird. But that being said, obviously I would have wouldn't have been mad if they brought in Kimbrel because I think he would. There was there would have been no question that he would have shut it down. But at the same time, I think that you know Barnes hasn't been pitching that poorly. You know he's kind of as much as it hasn't been anybody else to really take it from him. He has earned. You know being that eighth inning guy, at least till people come back. I mean, I personally, the way Thornburg is going, I don't think Thornburg is going to pitch this season, to be completely honest. Um, so that would you be got, a disappointment. You got you to gotta have somebody there. Uh, I mean, he was just put on the 60-day, so who knows at that point. Um, yeah. But I, I just think that overall, you give that shot to Barnes. He's earned the right to it. And if you lose, you lose. You win, you win. Um, it's, it is May, after all. Um, and I know you needed the game. It's, it's kind of unfortunate, but I think it's just because, I think the situation is what's making people think Kim Roll is the right decision just because of the fact that you made the comeback.
0: Well, it's funny how much difference a year makes, because last year everyone would be saying, no, don't bring him in. He's terrible in non safe situations, because he was. But now everyone's oh, like, yeah, bring him it, in, bring yeah. him in, bring him in. It's just like, it's so funny how it changes that much just because he pitches well for a month. But, yeah, that's how it works. So, um... Let's talk about some offense, guys. Let's go to game two of the series. Um, we'll start with a little a little primer of 11 runs, and then we'll get get us to our uh, our full paint of 17 runs on the canvas. Um, so, yeah, 11 runs in this this game on Saturday, eight runs in the second inning. So at this point in the season, uh, on on May sixth, the eight runs in the second inning was not just the most the Sox had gotten in an inning; it was the most they'd gotten in a game this year, and they got it in one inning, in the second inning of this game, which is pretty awesome. I'll run you through it here. Chris Young had a solo home run in the top of the second. Uh, Every one of these runs is with two outs, mind you. Dustin Pedroia, three RBI double to make it 4-0. Andrew Benatendi, two RBI double to make it 6-0. Hanley, RBI single, 7-0. Mitch Moreland, RBI double, 8-0. The rest of the game wasn't a whole lot. Robbie Grossman got the first run in the game for the twins in the third with a home run and then chris young bashed his second dong in the fifth inning to make it nine to one and then rovich got an rbi single make it 10 to one in the seventh and sandy leone said why not one more and he cranked a home run himself to make it 11 to one in the ninth that was the final 16 hits for the red Sox, eight for the twins this matchup was rick porcello against nick Tepish Tepish was garbage i uh, gave up seven runs uh, an inning in two thirds. Only one earned because Jorge Polanco made a horrendous error on a really easy play that would have ended the inning, and then the Red Sox went on to score eight runs. So he blew that. Uh, Tepish lasted an inning in two thirds. Drew Racinski came in and gave up two, two more runs in three and a third innings. Uh, and Rick Porcello, with that run support, pitched seven, hit- seven innings, seven hits, one run, zero walks, six strikeouts, some offensive numbers. Pedro had the three RBI. Bogarts had three hits. Ben had three hits. Moreland had two. Chris Young had two two home runs. Sandy Leone had three. Uh, and the big thing in this game, and what everyone's pointing to, is that the offense clicked here in this game after John Farrell switched up the order put Mookie Betts first, Pedroia second, Bogart's third, Benintendi fourth, Ramirez fifth, and Morland sixth. And Betts went 0-5 from the leadoff spot, but Benintendi had three hits in the four-hole. Pedroia hit a three-run double in the two-hole that he's hit for most of his career. Bogart's three hits in the three-hole. So I guess it's just a combination of everything, but tons of offense. Porcello got some runs and pitched very well, as he did last year, got his second one of the year, dropped ERA under four. This game was just awesome.
1: See, yeah, I, I like the lineup switch, because... Obviously, the offense just kind of decided to play well, but, and I know Mookie Betts went 0 for 5, but I think Mookie Betts is more comfortable hitting leadoff. And I, I, I forget who talked about it, it might have just been the Nessun post postgame, but um, someone mentioned, and it's a good point, you know, last year they moved Mookie down because of the power he was, you know, the way he was hitting the power numbers, and he had to take advantage of those th- that ability he was, but this year he hasn't done that yet, so why not put him back to where he's had a lot of success and made a name for himself? And obviously, Pajori hates hitting leadoff, so putting him back in the two hole and sliding everyone down um, just made sense for John Farrell to do that. Um, now, and it's, not like the be- it's not like I'm going to praise the guy for making a decision that wasn't too difficult when it kind of puts everyone back in their normal spots. Now, the weird part about it is Ben and Teddy hitting cleanup. Um, but the- other than that, it just kind of puts everyone back to where they should be.
2: Yeah, I mean, that was our roundtable you are probably listening to. We made those points last night about you know Mookie leading off and Pedro hating lead off and whatnot. But... I I love the lineup the lineup shuffle. It was funny, I was you going through when I got the alert that the lineup throughout and that they were a little different. I was like, Yeah, it can't be that different and I looked at it, I was like, Oh, okay, Benintendi's hitting cleanup, that's a little different for sure. But I think I think obviously it worked. I can't say I think it worked because it over the last two games it they had thirty one hits, of course it worked. So it was it was nice to see the offense click. It was nice to see run support for Porcello. And it was just nice to see kind of how it all kind of came together after Farrell made that change. And I think making that change was a big decision. Like I, I think, I think in the back of Farrell's mind, he knows maybe, or maybe he thinks he's on the hot seat, which is just ridiculous. But I also think he knows every move he's going to make will be criticized or praised. And obviously this is a move that is getting praised because, because it worked. If it failed, it would have been a completely opposite reaction from everyone. But, I think it was a smart move. I love this lineup and I want to see more of it. I want to see how much how many more runs they can score in the next series.
0: Yeah, it was it was an awesome game. And I think my favorite part was just Porcello getting run support like he did last year and getting a win and not having people be like, "Oh, look, he's not good anymore because he didn't get the win." Well, He's been pitching well this season. They're not getting run support. Pitched great last season. Got run support, and he pitched great again on Saturday and got run support again. So it kind of put that to rest. It's like, all right, cool. He pitched a good game. He won. Like he's off the schneid of losing four games in a row. And uh, so I was happy for his sake that they were able to give him that offense to get him that win. That was, I think, that was important for his confidence at least because he obviously was one and four at that point, which isn't good.
1: Yeah, and the one and four obviously wasn't like you know. A, a vision of what he was pitching or a sign of how bad he was pitching. He wasn't pitching poorly, just like you talked about before, the run support wasn't there. Um, same thing with Chris Sale. You know, the wins were hard to come by, and the record was poor because they were losing the run battle when he was actually pitching. So it's nice to get finally get another win under his belt when he was 1-4 and four and wasn't pitching like it.
2: Yeah, and it was, it was crazy to me. I had pregame notes for that game, and I read, I think it was from Pete Age, he said that Porcello had gone four starts without a win and in those starts they didn't score any runs and I'm like oh that's ridiculous (laughs) but that's so painful just to read it was painful to say and just to see just the offense completely come alive especially for Porcello who really his record does not reflect how he's been pitching this season so to see him get that win and he's got to get that record above 500 because it's killing me that it's not but I think it will yeah. Oh yeah, especially if this offense keeps going this way, he'll be 22 and 4 again in no time.
0: That's right. 21 straight <laughs> wins to finish the season. I'm <laughs> on board for that. <laughs> uh, and that brings us into Sunday, which was even more runs. You thought 11 was fun? Let's talk about 17. Um, <laughs> this game, the pitching matchup was Chris Sale, who at the time was 2 and 2 with a 1.38 ERA versus Irvin Santana, 5 and 0 with a 0.66 ERA. And the final score was 17 to 6. That makes no sense. And I'll tell you what happened. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what happened here because it was insane. Um, Boston got three runs in the top of the first off of Santana. With two home runs, Pedroia hit a leadoff. uh, Not a leadoff, but a first inning, second batter home run. uh, And then... Andrew Benintendi hit a two-run homer after Xander Bogarts hit with a pitch. And it was 3 nothing before he could even blink an eye. And it's like, wow, Santana gave up three runs in 41 innings this season, and he just gave up three in less than one inning. So that was a little bit different. Uh, Chris Sale locked down for the four, first four innings and looked good. But in the fifth inning, um, the Red Sox got up 4 to nothing on a Mookie Betts home run. But then Sale gave it all right back in the fifth inning. Uh, the Twins loaded the bases, got a couple of hits. They had two sack flies and a two RBI single. And all of a sudden, it was four to four. And uh, Sale ended up lasting six innings. And he gave up uh, six hits, uh, four hits, four runs, three walks, ten strikeouts. Uh, but Santana also lasted six innings. And he gave up six runs on five hits because Sandy Leone untied the game with a two-run homer in the sixth to make it six to four to save Sale's outing. And because the Red Sox decided to score 11 more runs, uh, Sale ended up getting the win. So he's now 3-2 and two with an ERA under 2. Uh, the rest of the runs, Mitch Moreland got an RBI single in the 8th to make it 7-4. to four. And then <laughs> the Twins made it interesting. Kenny Vargas hit a home run, and Eddie Rosario with a sack fly. And it was 7-6 to six in the 8th inning. And we were talking Craig Kimbrell, who had to come in and get the last two outs of that inning to... to uh, Saved the lead, and it was like, oh my God, you gotta, you gotta save this lead. And then, boom, they scored ten runs in the ninth inning, and it was a Hanley Ramirez RBI single, Mitch Moreland two RBI double, Chris Young two RBI double, Sandy Leone again two run homer, Xander Bogarts two RBI triple, and then Mitch Moreland walk, and it was seventeen to six, just like that. He Craig Kim- Kimbrell had just pitched, which seemed unbelievable because all of a sudden it was a eleven run game. Joe Kelly pitched the last inning got that done. Uh, the pitcher who was fantastic for the twins was Matt Belisle, who gave up four hits, six runs and two walks. And in 1.1 1. 1 innings, He got one batter out and gave up all that. So that was exciting. Uh, you would never expect this pitcher matchup to be the score, uh, a 10 run inning in the ninth after an eight run, second inning, um, 28 runs in the last two games. So something changed here quite a bit. Um, Betts had three hits in the game. Bogarts, Benintendi, Moreland, Young, and Leone all had two each. Tons of runs for everybody. Uh, Sandy Leone with, with three home runs in two games, which is good because he was struggling big time. So this game was just offensive explosion and a really good game turned into a gigantic blowout just like that.
1: Yeah, and what's crazy about this game was, you know, against the Twins, you're like, oh, crap, they're going to need to waste Kimbrel. Like, it's a close game. And like you said, they just kind of all of a sudden exploded. And I'm just hoping that this game, obviously, and the game before, really just kind of helped propel this offense to what they needed. You know, they haven't been able to put up consistent runs and really have this breakout inning yet. They haven't done this yet. This was the first time we saw this. You know, they could put up runs here and there and, and get a couple here and there, but they left They've been leaving runners stranded, and they just haven't been hitting the ball at timely like situations when they needed to. They finally put out this breakout inning that they did a lot last year with the offense they had, so... I hope and I'm praying that this is a sign of what to come because if so, you're gonna to start to see some more wins piling up and some more run support for Chris Sale, which is very exciting.
2: Definitely very exciting. It's it's so much fun and this is what this is why I love baseball. You know, we were talking last week how there's no offense and how it's been struggling and now they come out like the last few games of the series, they do something like this. So it's definitely it gets me more excited for every game and I'm just I'm super excited to see if if this offense will keep up and if it's the real deal or if it was just kind of a fluke, but I really don't think it is. I just, I feel Farrell's going to make those adjustments as he see fits. And right now everything just fits.
0: Yeah. It was, (laughs) it was fun to see these runs because (laughs) that's why you play the games. You got this great pitching matchup and they both don't pitch well. I mean, sale had 10 strikeouts. That's great. Uh, But he only lasted six innings, which is nothing for him. Um, so the Red Sox are now 17 and 14. We're going to give the MVP of the week to everybody on offense because how do you pick? Betts had a great week. Pedroia had a great week. Bogart had a great week. Benintendi, Ramirez, Moreland, Young, Leone—literally everybody was was just raking the ball. It was not even just the their first, the last two games, but you know Chris Young had had a couple games before that that were good. Pedroia uh, and the lineup switch, and everyone just kept rolling. So um, it was just a great. Great finish to the week, and uh, it was a 4-2 f- a week overall, which is a good finish. It was a good close to the week, and a uh, good momentum coming into this week with a series against the Brewers and then the Rays, two winnable series. So all things looking up. Uh, pitching was still pretty good. Offense is back. Uh, and Xander Bogart's sitting 340.
1: Love it. Let's go. I'm going <laughs> to throw that
0: in there. <laughs> um, starting, oh, to be, st-
1: starting to be more consistent. I'll tell you that. He's starting to... Uh, Figured out again. I still wish he'd be a little bit more of a leader, but it's okay because the bat's back. Um, But there you go. I mean, how can you not give the MVP to the whole offense the way they finally figured it out? Uh, You can't just pick one person. But that being said, uh, of course, you're listening to Red Sox Beat. That is Jess's recap. Of course, our opening segment and his recap was powered by SeatGeek Ticketing App, the smartest and easiest way to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Get a $20 rebate on your first purchase, of course, by downloading the free SeatGeek app to your phone. Go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code and Entity Code Garden Report, all one word, uh, all for a $20 rebate. And so Geek, of course, knows who sent you here at CLNS Media. Um, some other stuff to talk about you know, before we kind of break out to some stuff around the league. Um, the big news this week, I think, uh, Red Sox stuff is David Price getting a timetable. But before we do talk about that, I want to get your guys' take on the whole Adam Jones f- fan incident situation um and just kind of what happened there i'm sure everyone knows the backstory by now with the the fan and the racial slur blah 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 but that also had a separate incident with the fan so i just want to get your guys's take real quick on kind of that situation
2: i mean it's the word itself is it's a deplorable word it should never be used it's it's disgusting it but and i i, I hate saying that like, i doubt that it happened and I don't. I'm sure. I mean, I go. I've been to many Red Sox games. I've heard a lot of terrible things that people have said, whether it's about players or just people in general. I like. I I know what I heard, but and it it's it reflects poorly on us us as Red Sox fans. It reflects poorly on Boston. Period. Because we're we're already seen as a racist city, and this this kind of stuff makes it worse. But in this in this day and age, if blows my mind that nobody got this on camera or snapchat or anything and you know nobody's like really kind of come forward to confirm it and like i said i'm not saying it didn't happen it's just in the world that we live in today it's i'm just surprised there's no video to back it up and not that i need audio or video anything evidence to to hear this word i don't want to hear it and i but it just it makes me mad that People are so up in arms about this because, it, like I said, it reflects poorly on us as fans. It, re- it reflects poorly on us as a city in general. And it, I, the next day, we welcomed him very warmly. We had standing ovation. We had, you know, Chris Sale step off the mound for him. So we did, the Red Sox and fans did what they could on their part. But it, it just, I just, I hate when stuff like this gets brought up. And I hate that. Race always gets thrown into it because they're not here because of their race. They're here because of their talent. And that's what we should always look at. It's not, I mean, I don't, I don't care if you're black, white, Dominican. I don't care if you're Asian. If you're good, I want you on my team. And I'm not going to criticize uh, an opposing team team member just because of who they are.
0: Yeah, the whole situation was was definitely interesting with how it happened and him mentioning what happened. Uh, and then the Red Sox taking swift action. That was handled really well. Um, I like that the fans cheered for him. I know some people are like, oh, you should never cheer for the opposing team. I know. I mean, not to call him out, but I know Adam mentioned in our in our chat that um, he thought that they shouldn't cheer for him because he's the opposing team. And my my response to that was, I mean, it's it's not really a baseball thing or a sports thing anymore. It's kind of like a human thing. With you know, with what it is, yeah. so I I had no problem with. I liked that they gave him a standing ovation because you know it's, it has nothing to do with the game. Who cares about the game? He's a person, and he's a good dude. I mean, he's been outspoken his whole career. He's I mean, he's, he's clearly a good dude. So um, I liked how they did that. Uh, the thing I find strange, and I know it's obviously a completely separate situation, and and obviously this happened like in season, like while while it was happening, while the uh, while the game was happening, but. Uh, for the Red Sox to take such swift action on this, and then I don't know if you guys remember, but when David Price before said that fans called him all kinds of racial things before, but like he never mentioned it, so I guess I don't know. I guess that's why nobody took action. But it seems weird to me that the Sox were all over this one, yet David Price said that people did the same thing to him on his own in his own city last year, and like nothing really seemed to happen because of that one.
2: Yeah, that that's really interesting. Uh, now that you bring that up, I didn't even really think about it, but it's like you said they they were so the, the Sox were so quick to act on this and David Price comes out and I don't know if it's because it was, you know, like
0: after the fact. Right, after yeah. the
2: delayed, and he didn't say anything like after the game or whenever it it supposedly happened. So maybe that's why they're kind of like, well, there's nothing we can do now. Like this happened months ago and you're just saying it now. Like, there's absolutely nothing we can do except just Tell fans to be respectful so then that only goes so far
1: yeah no I didn't think about that either but um you can only control fans so much like like when they like for example like when they ban that guy for, for for doing this like you know you can't control the guy will be in the stadium at some point like he's gonna get back in if he wants to um all you can really control is you know you post pictures somewhere and maybe um but there's so many ways into that stadium and there's so many people um, it's really hard to do that for something like this. Um you obviously be able, you might be able to ban his name from buying tickets, but like that's probably the best you can do. Um you I, I don't know what the I mean they, they'll do their best, but um I think the whole incident is just crap and I, I hate it because, you know, like you talked about earlier, Lauren, our city's blanked on being racist as it is, and we kinda just got over um the whole situation with Jay Crowder and the Celtics and when Gordon Hayward was in town and that whole situation. And now it comes back again because of something one idiot does in center field, um, and it, it's just stupid. Because I, I, I don't say I, like you're. I'm in the same field you are, Lauren. Like I don't not believe Adam Jones because why can you call? How can you call a guy a liar about something like this? Uh, but at the same time,
0: Kurt, Kurt Schilling can.
1: I mean, yeah, Kurt Schilling is Kurt Schilling, um, <laughs> but I mean that's why it doesn't work in the ESPN anymore. So that being said, like I think that. I I can also see why it wouldn't be true. You know, I can see why people would think it's not true, but I, I believe Adam Jones. You have to believe Adam Jones in this situation. Um, but that being said, I, I, I just the whole situation is annoying. Um, I'm kind of over it. But I, I just wanted to get your guys' take on it. So um, that being said, you know, we got some update on David Price, which is nice. Um considering Steven Wright is out for the year. We did touch on that last week as we kind of found out we were kind of recording for once instead of like ten minutes after we stopped recording. So we talked about that as it happened uh last week, which is nice. But you know, we finally figured out David Price's timetable there. They're saying he's looked good in simulated games. Um they're projecting him to start on May thirtieth as of right now, um, which means a couple minor league starts thrown in there as well. So guys, good news on David Price. Um do you think this timetable holds? And what do you expect for him when he comes back if, if he does come back on May thirtieth?
2: Um, I, I do think that this timetable will hold because I said this last night on our on our round table that this is the first time we've gotten a timetable for his return. You know, it was seven to ten days after the injury happened and then after that I just kind of was swept under the rug, you know, he was throwing, then he was pitching, so and what I've really taken away from the entire thing is that people keep referring to his intensity and in that he looks confident. He's very intense when you know he gets a strikeout, you know, he's yelling, he's pumping his fist. And that's what I want to see because that's the kind of picture we know he can be. And if he's that intense on the mound, I'm hoping that'll change his locker room attitude and maybe like his little sensitive attitude. He won't take the Twitter so much after games or anything like that. And as for expectations, I want the David Price that we know he is. I don't want the David Price we had last year. I want the big strikeout David Price, and I want I want Chris Sale two point essentially is what I want from David Price.
1: <laughs> Even half of Chris Sale. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know if I believe the timetable. I mean, they've definitely been careful so far, and and everything they've done. So that makes me feel a little better about it. I mean, but obviously this timetable banking on him feeling good in his in his. Uh, rehab stints and all that and you never know what could happen with those because that could turn out bad and he might not be ready or he pitches poorly or whatever so i'm not sold in the timetable i mean i hope he comes back at that point because obviously with right going down you want that you want that extra starter and who better than one of the best pitchers in the league supposedly um how do i think he'll pitch uh, i think if he doesn't pitch well then he's just running himself out of boston because he kind of has to pitch well i mean he's with the injury and now coming back after not pitching well last year, this is kind of the time to pitch well. And he's got a fantastic example in Chris Sale. So he should, you know, learn something from him maybe. I mean, he's obviously not this is the same personality <laughs> in any way. But, boy, dude, if you want to pitch well, look at what this guy's done in his first, first month of his Red Sox career. Boy, there's something to look up to.
1: Yeah, and I think that, you know, I look at the timetable and believe it because of the when they're giving it. They didn't say at the beginning of April he'll be back May thirtieth. Like they took their time, they they let him rehab, they figured it out and um got some starts in. Now I, I, everyone here knows I'm one to disagree with the Red Sox and not believe anything they say, but you know, because of the timing I think of when they're announcing it, he's had some starts, um, just some like bullpen simulated starts I mean and uh, you know, with a couple of minor league starts scheduled, I'll believe it until one something goes wrong. Um because at this point they've been super careful. It's going to be two months of the season gone by the time he pitches a game. So um, I know a lot of us question if he'd even pitch at all. But that being said, if he doesn't feel any discomfort and, he, and he's ready to go May 30th, then by all means, let him go May 30th and see what happens.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's good that he's coming back. If if everything goes right, it's you know, like you said, I, I think a lot of us. We weren't even sure it was going to happen uh, because he didn't even want to be here. He didn't even want to pitch here, so why would he come back? You know, but we said everything had to go perfectly for him to come back, and I guess it has so far. He really hasn't had much of an, in a way of setbacks. So, um, I mean, if all keeps going well, then fine. If he's healthy, but if he's not, I don't want him anywhere near the mound.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, you said it. I I don't want him kind of risking any wins that we could potentially have. I want. I don't want him. Going out there and having a bad start and then pouting about it all over Twitter and all over to the media. I just I want intensity. I want I want emotion, like good emotion, and I want strikeouts. I I don't want 17 strikeouts or 12 strikeouts and 17 hits. You know I want I want 17 strikeouts in a game and three hits.
1: Yeah, no, that yeah, you want it. You want dominance, and and hopefully that's what he gets, and hopefully he comes back and um is is his regular season self. We can't control the postseason until we get there. So um, that's all the Red Sox stuff we want to touch on. Um, a couple of things around the league. Uh, really just one. I know. obviously we want to note that the fact that like, the Yankees-Cubs game was ridiculous. That went 18 innings. Um, Yankees won, unfortunately, who are playing obscenely well for some reason. Um, but their counterparts in New York, the lovely, lovely New York Mets, um... <laughs> had a story this week, and, and if you watch any TV, you probably saw this. But uh, Matt Harvey was suspended without pay. Um, if you guys didn't see the video, there was a live shot in the Mets locker room. And it, it, I mean, I'm mean, i going to be blunt about it. There was a dildo in the locker room, in the live shot on on, on national TV. Um, I loved it. It was fantastic. You couldn't miss it. I, I mean, you guys talk about it. It's
2: it, it it's it's so funny just like just because it's so random I mean obviously it's not something you see every day and when I saw it I was like is that is that what I think it is like no way and it's I don't think it's a coincidence that that happens and then Matt Harvey's all of a sudden suspended and I've read articles like he needs to grow up he needs to shut up he needs to apologize like it, he, what he did was harmless it was funny everyone's getting laughs out of it there's memes of it everywhere it's it was a harmless, you know, prank, if you even want to call it that, so, I mean, it's it's a funny topic, and it's unfortunate he got suspended because I just like the Mets are falling apart over there, but, I don't, I mean, no harm, no foul.
0: Yeah, the, the uh, picture I saw, I kept zooming in on it, like, further and further and further. <laughs> like, is that what it is? That's what it is? Oh, that's what it is. Kind of, kind that's how I read it to myself, so... <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, but didn't he get suspended for not showing up? Wasn't that what the official suspension was for? Yeah, I think, he didn't I come think it was.
2: They said it's right. for violating locker room rules or team rules. I don't. I mean, I don't think they're going to come out and say, "Oh, he was suspended because he put a dildo in the locker room."
1: <laughs> <laughs> I
2: don't think they're going to no, be they're... saying that. But I think they're they're saying it was he didn't show up, and then he showed up Sunday, and they're like, "No, you can't be here." And he's like, "Okay."
0: Right. This yeah, story is like great. And and
1: it's crazy because now this is like the second time within a year that we're talking about uh, dildos on national sports with the whole thing in Buffalo with the Patriots game. Um, And now this, I don't understand what's going on with this. I don't get it. But at the same time, I think it's so funny because it's so obscene (laughs) and so obscure. And I don't need to talk about it anymore, but obviously we had to bring it up because it's something where the Mets are, I don't say falling apart, but this is a story that's kind of summed up their season, I think, so far. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean,
2: I don't know if they just can't get a hold of their pitchers. They can't control them or whatever. I mean, the whole thing with Syndergaard is completely different. But I, I don't know. I mean, it makes for it makes for a great conversation.
0: Yeah, it's definitely exciting. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: I mean, it's the nation- The Nationals are playing great right now, so they're they're rolling. The Mets aren't Cinder Guards out. Harvey's an idiot. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe they need to control their clubhouse better. I don't know. But either way, it's pretty exciting.
1: Control something else too. Um, all right, let's do the uh, predictions before we get out of here for the week. Um, we have three three games in Milwaukee against the Brew Crew. Three games at home against the Rays. Uh, Jess was wrong again last week, which means I was wrong because we had identical picks. Um, so close, we were so one close. game. We were both one game off. Um Just a, walk, a walk off away. That being said, uh I'd say a big I'd say a big week for the Red Sox coming up. I mean I think most weeks are big weeks now, but you know, you have a chance to really take some games this week. Um first series against Milwaukee here, um, coming up in Milwaukee of course. Jess, how how does this one go down?
0: Yeah, I like uh two, winning two out of three in the series. I think the Brewers are a decent team. We get to see Travis Shaw return. Um Their record's not too bad. They're uh, hanging around 500, and obviously the Red Sox are, too, at 17 and 14. So I think two out of three is fair. They're 7 and 10 at home, which is not very good. Uh, I think a sweep might be a little bit tough going out there on the road, but I think two out of three is pretty reasonable for this series.
2: Yeah, I like two out of three, but I'm going one more than you. They're going to take all three from Milwaukee. Sweet! Um, Sweet! Take out those rooms, fellas. I'm I'm excited to see Travis Shaw again. I I do miss him terribly, especially now when we don't really have a third baseman. But <laughs> I um, <laughs> I'm excited to see him. He's he's doing good things over there. So, but I think the Red Sox they're just on this tear. I think this lineup's going to do big things, especially over in Milwaukee. They're not very good at home, like you said, Jess. So I'm I was kind of negative last last two weeks. I think I was pretty negative, and this week I'm going pretty positive. They're going to take all three from them.
1: Yeah, it would be fun to watch uh, the good old mayor of Ding Dong City playing again um, on, uh, on against the Red Sox. Um, I got them winning two out of three against the old Peru crew. Um, I just think the Red Sox are a better team. The record's the records not indic- indicative of what this Red Sox team is. Um, I think it's been a disappointing start for the Red Sox, but I think the offense is starting to figure it out. And after an off day today, um, I think they win two out of three against the Peru crew. Um, and then they have three against the Rays at home. Very optimistic myself again this week. I think they're going to sweep the Rays just because the Rays are not a good baseball team. And if you don't, it's kind of a disappointment. Um, that being said, that is a 5 and one week if you do the math at home, folks. Um, this is a week that, like I just said, you need to take advantage of who you're playing. Um, you're a better team than Milwaukee. You're a better team than the Rays. I'm giving you one loss because you can't go undefeated. Something will go wrong. But that being said, this is a week for the Red Sox to really clean house.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm- Right there with you. Uh, one loss this week too. But we're, we're switched, Jared. I think we're flip flopped. We are flip flopped, and I think they're going to take two out of three from Tampa Bay. You know, you nailed it on the head. I they're a better team than Tampa Bay, and I feel like they always they play pretty well against Tampa Bay. I always feel like, and we just they need to go into these games and they need to come out. Like, this is a big week for them. I know it's May, and I don't like saying it's a big week in May, but this is a good, really good chance for them to take some games and. After this week, they're they're gonna have twenty two wins under their belt. So that's that's
0: that. <laughs> yeah, I'm winning winning two out of three as well in this series. Two two and one, both series is for a four and two week. Uh, you know, sweeps are tough. I thought they're gonna sweep the Twins. They took two out of three. So I'm sticking on yeah. the like two out of three from the Rays. You know, they're it's a road series. If it was ho- if it was home, I'd probably pick um, a sweep. But the Sox are only six and seven on the road as opposed to eleven and seven at home. Obviously, a lot less road games. So we'll get six of those now. So I'm going two and one for a four and two week.
1: Jess being Mr. Negative once again, love it. Uh, it's not that negative um,
0: because it's still right, it's still over 500. It,
1: I mean, it looks negative compared to me and Lauren, which uh, is weird because I'm I'm usually Mr. Uh, Mr. Negativity himself. But um, so there you go. Jess has four and two. Myself and Lauren flip flopped, have five and one for the week, which means the Red Sox hopefully come next week. Um, six zero. Uh, that'd be that'd be nice if we were wrong and six and zero. That'd be fantastic. Um, and Jared Carabas would be dancing in his underwear if he if they are six and zero next week. Um, he'll be on next week. Carabas himself uh, he will be on next week. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, of course, at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. Uh, don't forget to follow COnS Media now, not COnS Radio. Uh, at CNS Media, made that switch. Facebook, of course, search the same thing. You'll be able to find us there as well. Um, today's show was brought to you by our friends at ZipRecruiter. You can start using ZipRecruiter for free now by going to ZipRecruiter.com backslash sportsfan. Um, of course, also, don't forget um, our good friends at SeatGeek as well. And check out the Garden Report rebate for $20 off. Uh, for Lauren Campbell and Jess Thomas, I am Jared Skelly. We'll be back next week again with Jared Robbins of Barstool Sports. Until then, uh, go Red Sox, and here's to hoping for a 6-0 week.